online live stream services and so we're thankful that you've chosen to be with us today you know uh, duck manor day is uh, it's kind of been a long tradition here at wfr we were doing this uh, years ago as an outreach day here locally obviously now with the success of the show a lot of people come in i met a lot of you from around the country today and uh, glad you're here uh, it's going to be an exciting day What's more fun to get to wear camo at church, right? <laughs> now, and you have to know if you're visiting Whitesbury Road, we, we wear camo here on any Sunday, but we're actually <laughs> true. encouraging it on this day. So uh, we are so glad you came today to, uh, to choose to be with us, and uh, I'm sure you'll uh, enjoy our time here at Whitesbury Road. And Duck Commander Day is not just about, it's about outreach here locally. Uh, obviously, we always love to bring visitors in and share from wherever. But also, it's our missions day, and so uh, at the contribution time, everything we take up today will go toward mission efforts. And so uh, uh, we invite you to participate that, uh, in that, get behind some great things that are going on around the, uh, around the world with our mission efforts in, in a variety of countries and situations. And we uh, appreciate that. So many of you have participated and helped us on an ongoing basis, and, and we're thankful for that. A lot of good stuff goes on with the money that's given on Missions Day uh, to a lot of folks that are in need. Yeah, normally we don't ask our uh, visitors to contribute, but we're asking you today. So uh, right. uh, if you don't mind, drop some in there. We got a lot of great works we're gonna fund here. So welcome, we'll have a prayer to get us started. Father, we are very grateful to have the opportunity anytime to come into your presence. We do so to, today together uh, to give you honor and glory. Uh, and as always, Father, we do so to remind ourselves of the important sacrifice that Christ made for us. Thank you. Father, for this day, and I pray, Father, we will uh, praise you uh, with all of our hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's continue with some worship this morning. If you would stand with us, and we'll get some more singing going on. Say to those who are fearful of heart and do not be afraid. Surely come, he will come and save 
to stand for one more. The splendor of a king, clothed in majesty, let all the earth rejoice, all the earth rejoice, he wraps himself in light, and darkness tries to hide, it trembles at his voice, trembles at Yeah, 
When I'm out at events, a fan sent this to me, and I'd like to share it with y'all right now. The title of it is Heaven's Grocery Store. I was walking down Life's Highway a long time ago. One day I saw a sign that read, Heaven's Grocery Store. As I got a little closer, the door came open wide, and when I came to myself, I was standing inside. I saw a host of angels. They were standing everywhere. One handed me a basket and said, My child, shop with care. Everything a Christian needed was in that store, and all you couldn't carry, you could come back the next day for more. First, I got me some patience. Love was in the same row. Further down was understanding, and you need that everywhere you go. I got a box of two of wisdom, a bag or two of faith. I just couldn't miss the Holy Spirit, for he was all over the place. I stopped to get some strength and courage to help me run the race. By that time, let me see, okay. Yeah, I stopped to get some strength and courage to help me run the race. By that time, my basket was getting full, but I remember I needed some grace. I didn't forget salvation, for salvation was free, so I tried to get enough of that for you and me. Then I started up to the counter to pay my bill, my grocery bill, for I thought I had everything to do my master's will. As I went up the aisle, I saw prayer, and I just had to put that in. For I knew when I stepped outside, I would run right into sin. Peace and joy were plenty. They were on the last shelf. Song and praise were hanging near, so I just helped myself. Then I said to the angel, now how, do, how much do I owe? He just smiled and said, just take them everywhere you go. Again, I smiled and said, no, sir, really, how much do I really owe? He smiled again and said, my child, Jesus paid your bill a long, long time ago. Well, what we fix to do here is that's the reason we're doing it. Jesus did pay my bill a long time ago, and he paid it on a piece of wood just like that right over there. They nailed him to it through his hands and through his feet. He had a thorn of crown just shoved down on his head. He had been beaten beyond recognition. There was blood everywhere, okay? Our loving Savior, okay, when I was his enemy, okay, loved me enough to die on a cross for me, to pay for what I did wrong. He had no sin of his own. Y'all bow with me. Father, we uh, thank you for your love that you sent your son. And Lord, we just, uh, good grief, like, I can't even find the words to think that you would die on a cross for me when I wasn't, I was your enemy. Father, thank you for your son. Lord, thank you for loving me enough to die for me when I was your enemy. In Jesus' holy name, amen.
before we partake of the uh, fruit of the vine, if y'all bow with me again. Father, we thank you for sending your son. Lord, we thank you for leaving the father's side and then to, uh, especially knowing what you had to set before you, the death on the cross. We thank you, Lord, for your blood, which through your blood we have the forgiveness of our sins. Thank you for the greatest gift that has ever been given, your, your son, Father. Thank you, Lord, for your gift of life, okay, because through you we know that we have life and life abundantly. Again, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, thank you for all that you do for us. In Jesus' most holy name, amen. Uh, decisions I ever made was to go into full-time ministry. It took me about a year of sort of being dragged uh, by the Lord uh, to come in. And, uh, you know, once I got in, I loved it. And it was obviously what I needed to be doing. 
went on my first mission trip with Mike. He convinced me to go, and I didn't want to go. I didn't want to fly on a plane. I didn't want to go halfway around the world. So I was once again dragged, and it was one of the best blessings of my life. I saw other people around the world that loved the Lord that had far less than we did, but we all served the same Savior. What a blessing. Just two years ago, another hard decision to leave here to do the mission that we're doing now through the show, through the company. Once again, dragged by the Lord to see good things done. Today is Mission Day, and our entire mission budget for the year comes from what you guys give in the second service as well. It's very important. People are depending on what we do today, depending on support. I know a couple of brothers that are depending on whether they get to eat or not, depending on how well we do. Just think about that. So I want to encourage you guys uh, to dig down deep. Hopefully some of you here who are members have planned for this day. Uh, but all of you that are visiting with us as well, know that every dollar you give today is going to go to doing great mission work around the world, and the gospel is going to be preached. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for an opportunity to give. We know that generosity of our hearts, not only does it do us good because of what you put in us and sacrifice to give that comes from our Lord and Savior Jesus, but also other people are going to be blessed as a result. The gospel will be preached. People will be saved. Great missionaries and speakers uh, on the radio around the world are going to have an opportunity uh, to provide for their family as well. I thank you. I pray for a great harvest, not today, but for tomorrow and for years in the future that will come from what we give today. Thank you so much, Father. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. In moments like these, I sing out a song. I sing out a love song to Jesus. In moments like these, I lift up my voice. I lift up my voice to the Lord. Singing, I love you, Lord. Singing, I love you, Lord. Singing, I love you, Lord. I love you. In moments like these, I sing out a song. I sing out a love song to Jesus. In moments like these, I lift up my hands. I lift up my hands to the Lord. Singing, I love you, Lord. Singing, I love you, Lord. Singing, I love you, Lord. I love you. Go again. Singing, I love you. couple more songs right now as we dismiss our kids to their classes. If you would, stand and let, the, let our kids out, and we'll sing a couple more, and then we'll let Phil up here see what he has to say. 
Jesus, you're my firm foundation. I know, I know, I can stand secure. Oh, Jesus, you're my firm foundation. I put my hope, I put my hope in your holy word. I put my hope, I put my hope in your holy word. I have a living hope. I'm sure, Jesus, you're my firm foundation. I know, I know I can stand secure. Oh, Jesus, you're my firm foundation. I put my hope, I put my hope in your holy word. I put my hope, I put my hope in your holy word. Your word is faithful. I'm sure, Jesus, you're my firm foundation. I know, I know I can stand secure. Oh, Jesus, you're my firm foundation. I put my hope in your holy word. I put my hope in your holy word. Oh, Jesus, you're my firm foundation. I know, I know I can stand secure.
So I looked out all the camouflage clothing, even the ladies, and I said, there is still hope for America. I said, now you folks down there in the South, are y'all the ones that carry guns and Bibles? Yeah. Here's what's happened for you who are visiting. First, I'll give you uh, two bits of information that you've never heard, at least I haven't, any politician utter, not once. I'm 68. I never heard one. Give me two little short sentences. Uh, ladies and gentlemen of America, I love God and I love you. You ever heard that coming from any politician? Really? Go ahead, you say, no, I've never heard that, or I hear it, I hear him say it all the time. Have you ever heard that? Well, why wouldn't they tell us that? We buy their transportation, pay for their gas, buy their food, house them. We take care of them. It's our money that's funding all of it. I would just hope at some point they would tell us they love us. You know what I'm beginning to think? They don't love God and they don't love me either, are you? Because if they did, I would think they would at least say it once. Don't you think? Something's going on here. Something's going on. Here's what's happened. I am standing here in front of a wooden structure. It has some emblems on it. It has an arrow coming down out of heaven. You see that arrow right there? coming down. That was 2014 years ago. So if you're visiting, you said, I don't know about all this Jesus stuff. Well, you're counting time by him. 
all the people who ever walked on planet Earth in your calendar today, September the 14th, 2014 years since Jesus got here, and you're wondering about him and you haven't even investigated him yet? I mean, come on. I don't even believe in Jesus. Well, why'd you just write down there and document him coming 2014 years ago on your checkbook? What do you mean you don't believe in him? You just documented your check by Oh, he was here. If you're here and you haven't at least investigated these emblems, we know he was here historically, archaeologically, more proof about him than any person who ever lived on planet Earth, for crying out loud. There's a cross there, like this one. We remembered the blood shed for our sin. All of you are sinners, right? Anybody in here who's never sinned? You know why I know sin is a problem? Worldwide? Because everybody's sinning. I just look around. Somebody said, sin? Oh, what a Bible talk? I said, no. That's just me observing the world. I see people coming up and they're so full of hate. That's a sin. That they will lop your head off. Cut it off. You say, what is that? Murder? You say, what do you call that? Sin? I'm waiting on some news organization at some point some university, some movie that will just acknowledge sin. <laughs> I'm like, ABC, the dude sat across from me the other day. He's quizzing me about, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, let me ask you something. You've been with ABC for quite a while, right? He said, yeah. I said, has ABC or any other news organizations, to your knowledge, have you ever heard anyone say anything about sin? And he was like, <laughs> I said, come on out with it. Have you ever yourself mentioned sin once in your entire career? He said, I don't think I have, Mr. Robinson. I said, have you looked around at the murder, the rape, the robbery, the mayhem, the burning, the looting, the outright theft, bank robberies, burglary? <laughs> I'm, I'm looking around. I said, while you've been in the news business reporting the news, there's a shooting down there. I said, what I was saying. Some guy went down there and started shooting. Somebody drove by and shot eight people. Somebody burned somebody out. Somebody kidnapped our children. I said, why wouldn't you ever mention sin? They're breaking God's laws. We won't even acknowledge it. Not once. America is sick. It's sinfully sick. 
and so was the world. When's the last time you heard someone in the news media say with a straight voice and any kind of adoration, Jesus Christ, Jesus. They won't even mention his name. We are swimming in a cesspool of politically correct crap. You say, Phil, what is political correctness? So that you won't say and blame me, I'm blamed for a lot these days. So you won't blame me. Well, look up old Noah Webster's dictionary. Noah Webster, the father of public education, the first man in the United States of America to compile a dictionary. He compiled the first dictionary. You say, is it still here? Yeah, it's still here. Not but 200 some odd years old. So what did he say? He said education is useless without the Bible. It's America's best textbook in all fields. That's Noah Webster. So you say, well, what about this political curriculum? What in the world is it? I've been running around on planet Earth when this thing cranked up. My generation cranked it up, by the way. You said people your age cranked up political correctness. You say, well, what is it? Have you ever heard anyone actually define it? I haven't. They're always talking about it. You say, well, what is it? <laughs> well, I went to a dictionary. See all y'all running around with cell phones. And you're looking at computers. Hey, well, yeah, well, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, text messages and all this junk. I don't fool with that. I have a dictionary, Noah Webster, father of public education. I got his dictionary. I trust it. You say, is anything vile in there? No. You say, do you have a Bible? I have a Bible, a dictionary, and a set of encyclopedias. That's where I get my information from. You say, why? There's no filth in uh, any of those three. I don't have to wade through the vile filth to get to what I want to know. Are you with me here? All right, so much for cell phones. Y'all all getting rid of them? Political correctness. I don't have but 30 minutes here, so I have to hurry. You say, well, how will you know when it's time to quit? Because have you ever owned a watch in your 68 years on the earth? That'd be negative. No. Well, what time is it? How would you know? It's about mid-morning. That's what time it is. Wait a while, it'll be about dinner time. You say, when's that? 12 o'clock. Wait a while, it'll get dark. What time is it now? I don't know. It's dark. <laughs> Political correctness. This is what America bought into instead of this. I mean, do, listen to this. According to the dictionary. You want to argue about this? We'll argue with the dictionary. What are we going to do? Redefine the dictionary, they're working on it. Redefine the Bible, they're working on it. Redefine history, they're working on it. Just rewrite it. If 
if you look today in Noah's Webster's dictionary, it says political correctness set biblical correctness to the side. We want political correctness. Let's see. Conforming to what is regarded as orthodox liberal opinion. You say, what is political correctness to begin with? Orthodox liberal opinion. You want to bet your life on orthodox liberal opinion? Go ahead. You want to trust your life to liberal or to orthodox liberal opinion? Go ahead. You know you're a sinner. Now it may be a sexual sinner, maybe a lying, slandering thief. But all of you said a while ago, uh, and a lot of you I've never met. Have you ever sinned? Have you? So you're going to put your life in the hands of orthodox liberal opinion. How do you know you're a sinner? What if you had never read a Bible? You would still know. You know in here. I never read a Bible in my life. But you know what right is and you know what wrong is. Every last one of you. We all know. Political correctness, conforming to what is regarded as orthodox liberal opinion in matters of, are you ready, sexuality. The Bible said one man, one woman, that's what I made to begin with. For this reason, we have a male and a female. For that reason, those two can come together and be married. And when they marry, what God has joined together, let man not separate. Man marries woman. They can procreate, fill the earth with offspring. You need to stay together just like that. You know what those two will never have? They will never have a sexually transmitted disease. You know why? They keep their sex between the two of them. They can't catch a sexually transmitted disease. Biblically correct sex is safe. It's safe. You're not going to get chlamydia, gonorrhea, syphilis, AIDS if you man marries a woman and neither one of you have it and you keep your sex between the two of you. You're not going to get ever a sexually transmitted diseases. And the masters of exceptions will always say, well, what about a blood transfusion? Or you might get a... I'll give you that. But you say, is it rare? It is very, very rare. You say, why is there so many debilitating, horrible diseases bringing them down all over America and worldwide? Because they say, we're going to follow our orthodox liberal opinion. Just breed anything and anybody. Just have at it. Go for it. Don't be bridled and shackled and live a life of restraint before God Almighty. Don't do that. But every last one of you 
I've been immoral, by the way. And every last one of you probably, there, there may be a handful in here that have never been sexually immoral. But most of you have been, right? That was a quiet, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do we have to talk about this, Phil? <laughs> Look, God's way is the safe way. That's all I'm saying. True or false? Man meets woman, marries her, keeps his sex right there. The children come. The chances of them getting a sexually transmitted disease, would you say, is almost zero? You can say it. Orthodox liberal opinion, especially on matters of sexuality, race, my goodness. I looked in the Bible and I said, I'm going to look up the word race back over in my concordance. And then I looked up Strong's concordance. The only race I found was a foot race. A race to the finish line. That's what we're doing now for Jesus. You're like, was there anything about yellow, black, white? Zero! God does not show favoritism toward anyone. You say, we were all human beings created in the image of God. All of us. There is no black race. There is no white race. There is no brown race. There is just one race. The human race. And everlasting one of sinners. If you looked at it like that, it would be so much easier loving God and loving your neighbor if you never color-coded anyone. At some point, you say, well, where in the world did it come from? It came from my generation in these universities. You say, whatever happened to the beatniks and the hippies? They're in your government and in your institutions of higher learning. How's it going for you, America? A bunch of burned out hippies are sitting around in universities. Well, well, what we got here, you know? We got sociology 101 here. Yeah, we got the yellow man, and we got the Caucasian, and we got the Negroid. That's what they taught me in the 60s. I'm like, we got what? At 18, I was too dumb to even know it. But at 68, I look out at the world, and I say, from one man, God created all men that they should fill the whole earth. He determines the time set for them and the exact places they should live. We all came from one person, Adam. Get off the color code. Don't you see the trouble it causes? They make money off of it and they, yeah, 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 yeah. We're all God's children. Y'all know that, right? Get off the color coding. I had a radio interview. I had about seven of them this week. The first one, we were, we were waist deep in mud, stuck. Because I told my compadres, that'd be Dan the butler and the ex-military guy who used to be a bad drunk. But over here, he's sober now. You say, what's he doing sitting there? He's looking after me. He's the first one to go with one of your charges down in here. <laughs> you come down that aisle, I'm telling you, up to no good. I'm telling you, he just one of many sitting around here. It's America. That's what we're down to. But old Herman Cain, I'm talking to him on the radio, you know, but 
before I talked to him, we're stuck waist deep in mud because I told him, I said, listen, we're going to build that duck blind. I don't care what kind of radio interviews we have. So we're down there in the middle of the woods building a duck blind. I said, Dan, at you know 907, we have to call the radio station somewhere in New York City, and I'm going to be up. Well, I've got the same notes in front of me in that four-wheeler, but we're not moving. We're stuck. So I've got my notes out there, you know, and 907 came. He said, hurry up. you got four minutes, Phil. I go over and get the four-wheeler. I sit back, muds all over everything. I get my Bible out, my deal. So we get a hold of old Herman Cain. We're talking to him. He said, Phil, you know I'm black, don't you? I said, you know, I didn't know that, Herman, until you ran for the Republican nominee. I said, then I found out you were black. I said, but you know what? I said, I told my family, I said, I don't care what color that dude is. I'm voting for him anyway. <laughs> he laughed. I love old Herman. So we gave the interview sitting in the mud. Political correctness, orthodox liberal opinion when it comes to sexuality, look at what a number they did on us. It is pitiful. Look what they've done with race. Oh, so sensitive, everybody, because of the color. There's American Indians, and there's African Americans, and there's Latin Americans, and there's Oriental Americans. And, and the list is from here to the highway, or whatever indigenous whatever you got in your blood. Oh, yeah, that's what kind of American you are. Here's a newsflash. We're all human beings, and we're all Americans. Why don't we just go with that? And we have the political correctness when it comes to gender. Well, I just am confused because, you know, I don't know what I am, and I just... Look, when no one's looking, I've already done it. Take your clothes off. Stand in front of your bathroom mirror. Take a look. You'll figure out whether you're male or female pretty quick. And give me a break. And political correctness is usually used, listen to this, Noah Webster's heirs at least were not kind to political correctness. Political correctness is usually used disparagingly to connote dogmatism this way or the highway. You either going to agree with us, yeah, we're hollering tolerance, but we're only tolerant of anyone who agrees with us. They connote dogmatism. The excessive sensitivity to minority causes. It just goes on and on. But you know what? That bunch, the politically correct crowd, have slaughtered 55 million fetuses in their mother's wombs. So what does our government do? We legislate murder. That's what abortion is. Then we turn around, now we're legislating perversion. You have God's laws that says, don't shed innocent blood, don't murder. So our government says, no, we're going to trump that. You can kill them. And half of our country said, we're going with the government instead of God. They said, what do you call that, aborting human beings in their mother's womb? Sin. What do you call perversion, Phil? And we're legislating it, the politically correct crowd. We just took their opinion. You call it sin. God says it is sin. 
all scriptures God breathed. I give them a Bible verse and they scream and holler. You say, oh, they're mad at you? I'm just quoting what the Apostle Paul said. Why aren't y'all mad at him? And all he said was what God said. Are y'all mad at the God who had the Apostle Paul write what Phil quoted? See how it works? But I'm the bad guy. They say on the street, I am a homophobe and I am a racist. What do y'all think? We're all just humans and we all sin. Therefore, political correctness when it comes to their opinion. Here's a definition of idolatry. A false or fake notion. That's what political correctness is. It's a, a false idea that causes error in thinking or reasoning. That's what political correctness is. It's really political falseness. It's a fallacious notion. It's false reasoning. It's, it's ex excessive devotion to a thing or an idea, anything, anything other than God. Idolatry. You say, is it a killer? Oh, it's a killer. It is a big time killer. You know why? They believe the lies they're telling. You say, do they actually believe those lies they're telling? They believe them with every fiber in their being. You say, oh my goodness. So that's the world I live in. Two, you say, was that your first point? That was my introduction into my first point. <laughs> Everybody's a sin. I'm just showing you how the evil one operates through the human race. It is terrible. If you're sitting here, you bought into that. Now's the time to make a change. You say, well, did you used to be like this crowd? Yeah. Until I was 28. You say, you bought into all this crap. Yeah. You said, you're kidding. No. Trapped and didn't even know it. That's where they are now. They're still there, therefore they hate a guy like me who used to be them. Now I'm over here, and now since I'm over here, they don't like me anymore. You said, did they love you when you were with them? Oh, they loved me. But when you got away from it, now they hate you. See how it works? Birds of a feather flock together. The second problem that you're going to run up on, and I don't care what if the government tells you or what the politically correct crowd tells you, you're going into a hole in the ground. You have a tombstone with your name on it. Do the, does the politically correct crowd try to talk you out of that notion? Oh, if you'll get on the back and watch your cholesterol, they don't tell how long you're going to live. Here's the news flash. You're going six feet deep. With the back, with the watching the cholesterol, and you never eat butter, and you hate fried chicken because it's bad for your body. Well, here's the deal. You're going into a six-foot hole, and if you make it to 100, riding the back or watching your butter, you say, if you make it to 100, I will be shocked. Run all you want to. You say, is it going to help me come forth from the ground? 
it's not going to help you. It's not going to keep you out of the grave, and it's not going to help you beyond the grave. It's a bunch of dung. Because I've been saying crap. That's a, that's a naughty word. <laughs> I use the biblical term, dung. You say, I'm going to die. Not only are you sinners, you say, but Phil, the government says if I, <laughs> if I buy Obamacare, uh, will it help? Well, we got San Nero here. He's a pump man. See, see, this is your pump right here. Boom, 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 boom. The sucker will pump for 75 years maintenance free. You talk about a pump. A water pump won't do that. An oil pump won't do it. You say, all pumps wear out way before 75 years. God gave us a piece of flesh about the size of your fist, put it in the middle of your chest, and the thing will last 75 or 80 years. A piece of flesh going, just pumping. Unbelievable. What a wonderful body we have. So you say, but eventually it's going to conk out. Yep, it'll stop. Until you get there, check with Greg Sampanero. He's a cardiologist. He'll help fix your pump to give you a few more years. You say, but can Greg keep me out of the ground? No. So what do you want to do? Follow the politically correct crowd? to your death and your grave and your burial? See that cross where Jesus died? You could be considered by God sin-free. Like you never made a mistake. You say, how long will it take? Just today. You'll put your faith in the death of Jesus for your sins. Well, you notice there's a grave there. That's where you're going. See the round thing right there? That's where you're going. You say, well, maybe I'll, uh, maybe you'll what? You're going there. There's an arrow coming out of that tomb right there. You say, what is that? God became flesh in a human body. Three days after they killed him, he stood back up on the earth. You know why? To let you know there is life beyond the earth. Do you have another story that will top that one? No. Me either. That'd be my brother Si. I said, no. <laughs> well, I'll go with the government and, the, and, and, and the, the Obamacare and the politically correct crowd. You're going to do what? They're not going to help you with your sin. And when it comes to the grave, you're not going to be helped by the U.S. government. All of the guys in Washington, D.C., before it's over, They'll all be in a grave too. What then? And they're saying, we're the nutcakes. We're counting time by him. We know he was here. We know he died for all of us. We know he was raised for all of us. You're like, what does he require? Faith in that, and you make him Lord of your life. You say, well, I'll catch a little flack. It's possible. <laughs> I'm going around and people, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, you know what the kicker is? I love all the ones who hate me. He said, do you have like ill will? To no, 
I'm just saying as far as your life is concerned, you put your faith in the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus. Look, you know why I know all the past prophecies and predictions in the Bible? You know why I know they're all true? Because I'm sitting here waiting on the last one. You say, well, what's the last one? There's an error. You say, God has come down in flesh, died, buried, raised from the dead, spent 40 days. Look, he went back to where he came from, Jesus, gone. He's back into heaven. There to mediate for his people, keeping us cleansed, cleansed as we make mistakes now. You're like, there's not but one more prediction. Just one more thing is going to happen, America. You say, the return of Jesus Christ. When he comes back, you say, all those other predictions, Phil, have you just read about every one of them being fulfilled? Every one of them. That's why I know this last one. I just looked at the fulfillment of all the first ones. I'm like, my goodness, it's just one more left. No more Bibles, no more Jesuses, no more predictions, just one. His return. Therefore, if you're seated in the audience and you don't know Jesus, you just heard the message on how you get to know him. Put your faith in that. Turn from your sin. Make him Lord of your life. There's a pool of water right back here. Jesus died a horrible death on a cross, was buried and raised from the dead. What you do is through your faith. You, because he died for your sin, you die to sin. You're then buried, the old, immoral, drunken you. And the new one is born again. And God seals the deal with his spirit. You'll be added to the kingdom. You're in the company of the kingdom of God here today. Some of them are strange-looking characters. <laughs> but we're all together, and you heard the singing. You said, you know what? That was beautiful singing. You know why it was beautiful? You were listening to the sons and daughters of God. You say, are y'all a denomination? No. You say, does your headquarters go beyond this place right here? No. This is just a little self-contained group of the body of Christ, the King Jesus on planet earth at this time in history. Join us as we go forth and do battle, spiritually speaking. Join us. Father, thank you for hearing my prayer on behalf of these brothers and sisters here. If there's anyone, Father, now is the time they need to move. Join forces with you, your spirit, and Jesus himself and go forth across the length and breadth of this land trying to get our people, Father, to see the error of their ways and come to a knowledge of the gospel of your son, Jesus. Thank you, Father, for loving us, giving us a guarantee we'll live from the dead one day. Thank you for giving us peace of mind through your spirit who lives in us. Help us, dear God, to do two things. Love you more each day and love each other. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Thank you. We want to give you that opportunity uh, to come, as Dad said. Uh, if you need to become a Christian today, it's a perfect day to do that. Uh, any other uh, needs that you might have, uh, whether you're here in our church family or visiting, we'd love to be able to do that. So why don't you come while we stand, while we sing. Just as I
Savior. Don, I'm going to ask you now, from this day forward, who's going to be the Lord of your life? Jesus Christ. Amen. For that confession, I'm going to baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit for the mission of your sins, okay? Whatever you've done, you don't have to worry about all those doubts anymore ever again, okay? Hold your wrist and hold your nose, and then bend down a little bit, and I'll do the rest, okay? I can't uh, think of a better way to end our first service, can you? Uh, mm. I want to thank y'all so much, too, for being here. We're trying to get Dad out of his shell, you know, say what's really on his mind. And, uh, <laughs> you guys are helping with that therapy, of course. Uh, it's, uh, it's a great blessing that you guys are here. We've got uh, Bible class, uh, our time that uh, is coming up, and we're going to do that in here today. So if you want to hang around for that, uh, Mike and I will do a little Q&A with the wives of uh, the beards and plus one, of course. And uh, we're going to do that uh, before our second service. Let's, let's pray. Father, we love you. We're thankful for the day. Thank you for the message of the gospel that, well, you let us see again how it touched someone's heart, changed their lives. And we want to see that good news go all over the world. I, I pray for a great blessing on everyone here today. And we're grateful for for Jesus and the grace that we have. In his name, amen. Amen. You're dismissed. Thank you.
Uh-oh. Hello. Here we go. All right, we're fixing to crank up. You guys will grab a seat. Yeah, come on, Jess. Yeah, doesn't matter. All right, where are the wives at? Here you go. Come on, Mom. Lisa. Missy, where are you at? You here? Hey, out. No, no, Mike's going to sit on the end. Yeah, y'all get in the middle. Well, it's like herding cats up here. Did you get those? Yeah. We always like to uh, be prepared when we do this. All I got is mine. All right, well, just, you take those. There you go. Um, we, uh, we go all over the country, and uh, <clears throat> we do uh, what we call Q&As. And uh, we thought it'd be kind of cool, actually, it was Mike's idea, to, uh, to have the ladies up. You know, usually we do Duck Commander Day. It's just the guys, you know, preaching uh, like Dad did earlier, you know, peeling the paint off the walls. And so uh, we wanted you to see the, uh, the kinder, softer, gentler side uh, of who we are. Although, uh, sometimes I've seen these ladies out there, and you get them cranked up, and sometimes they don't know when to quit preaching, especially Mom. Uh, Uh, we turned your mic off, Mom, so that I could, <laughs> so that I could finish. Um, yeah, turn those on. There you go. All right, now you can retort. He just says stuff about me all the time. <laughs> You'd think I know how to use a mic, but obviously I missed it. <laughs> we, uh, so we, we want to, Mike and I have a few questions, especially at Bid Mission Day today. Uh, I wanted you to hear a, a little bit of kind of what's going on in our lives, not just for those of you who are visiting, uh, but also our own church family. Uh, we realize we don't get a chance to tell you guys kind of what we're doing, uh, some of the opportunities that we've had and things like that. So uh, uh, Corey's not with us today. She is actually in Ethiopia on a mission uh, this week, uh, which is fabulous. And I tried to get a text from her so she could tell us how it was going, but I hadn't heard from her uh, personally, although I know she's there and doing a good job and doing okay. So yeah, Johnny gave it the thumbs up, so that's good. Uh, so uh, I, I, just to start out with, uh, Kind of, uh, what's been the, uh, the best thing about this kind of crazy run uh, we've been on for the last three years? What would you say is the, is the best thing to you from this uh, newfound fame that you guys have? Go ahead, I, Missy. I found okay. so many people to love that we've been able to talk to and share with and that I don't know, it's just overwhelming. Of course, I love anyway, and I love all of you, every one of you, but just to be on the road and, and just get to share Jesus and about this church and about all the great people here and about our leaders, even though sometimes they make me mad, especially <laughs> one over there. <laughs> it has just been such a blessing. I mean, I just can't. I just can't tell you. And I never thought God would let me talk since I misused the English language <laughs> pretty often. But you know what he said? God said he loves me. And 
Love overcomes fear. And I've learned that being on the road, and I love it. But it, more than anything, is just being able to share Jesus' love to all the people and to find the great love in the people that really want you to share with them, and they want you to give them the hope we have in Jesus. I'll just expand on that, what, expound on that, what Kay said, because I think it's really, um, it's been a cool experience to be able to look at our lives now and look back at the plan that God had that he put in motion for our lives many years ago, especially each how we each ended up, the wives ended up into the Robertson family. And how I remember when we got, uh, Jason and I got married and everybody was talking about how, you know, our family was gonna be such a culture shock, culture shock for, for us. And my dad said, you know what? I think, I think Phil marrying, a, his, his son marrying into the West family is gonna be just as much as a culture shock. To, to him as vice versa because of the civilized aspect of living that he has not been accustomed to. So, you know, just the combination of all of our families coming together as one in order to lead such an awesome purpose for his kingdom. And I say that not flippantly, but because we hear, like Kay said, from so many people around the country and even around the world that say how much they appreciate our show and the Christian principles that it portrays. And, you know, going into it, we, we knew that we wanted to portray ourselves and we knew that that would come across that way. We were hoping that it would in the editing process. And we prayed about that, that in the editing process they would leave in certain things that were said and done in order to bring that across to people. And I, you may say, thank you so much for doing that. Thank you so much for doing that. I just want, you know, this is all God's plan. I, I always say it's, it was such a big step for A&E to actually put that ending prayer on, at, around the table on television. That's not been done in a really, really, really long time. And that's why I think we were compared to the Walton family for so long. And so I, I, all of this, all of the glory goes to God. We're the same people as we were before the television show started. We're the same on and off camera. Um, God, God, and it, through A and E and our production company has chosen to put that on the air. So hopefully that we can shine a light for Him to many, many people. That's been the best part for me personally. That's good. Anybody else? I think um, the most important thing is whenever Alan and I go out, or me and Alan and Kay and Phil or Sai or whoever it is. And people come up to us and say, you have changed our life. We did not pray at our house, but now we do. Now, since you have put on TV the ending prayer where you all gather around the table and you pray together, that's what we've come back to. That's what we've started doing now. And so to us, that's just, we're just bringing people back to the Lord. Some of them didn't know the Lord to begin with, but a lot of people just let that family time, that supper time, just go by the wayside. They're bringing that back now, and they're all getting together. They're eating, and they're praying together. And any time a family's praying together, that family's going to stay together. That's right. Amen. <laughs> Jessica, what's the worst part of all this success? Well, am I on? Yeah. Yes, okay. I would just say that, um, I mean, it's been a blessing, you know, the pros, you know, the times, but I'd say that the time, it's hard to juggle time a little bit more now. 
um, being a mom of four young kids, um, I still have to pretty much do every single thing for them. So it's just feeling like I'm pulled in a hundred different directions, but um, I have a great support system here and we lean on each other a lot. And uh, without them, without all of you, without a wonderful husband, I couldn't do it. So, and I think that in the beginning, uh, we weren't on the show as much the first couple of seasons. And that was, you know, God's will because we were, you know, River was two at the time. And I don't know how I could have juggled being on there every single week. So he knew what, what he was doing and, and, and his time was great. What's been the uh, spiritual challenges that you've, run, that you've run into that's been difficult for you? Well, you know, so many times our time's limited. And when people talk, respond, especially after Phil's lesson or any other time, you know, I want to go down here on the, I want to be down front like you do. And we have to leave. We have to go and we have to do. And I mean, so many times I'm just like, I don't have enough time. I got to talk to these people. You know, I want it to be just like it is here. And, and because, you know, the other night we were over there with 12,000 people. You know, and then we had to go, and I was like, I want to see who responded. I want to talk to them. I want to do all the things we do here. And, and because of our time, we can't do that. And I want to just gather them up and hug them and love them and tell them what they've got to look forward to. And, and yet, you know, we're, we're here, we're there, we're on the road. We're, I don't know, that, that part is really hard to leave. And then somebody, you know, you just want to respond to so bad but you're talking to masses of people and it's not just like what you can hold them to and i think for me that's real hard mom i know a lot of people wonder probably visitors who's your favorite son <laughs> who's your favorite daughter-in-law <laughs> i think we know that one <laughs> They're just trying to embarrass me in front of a huge crowd. <laughs> it happens quite often. I always usually say whatever son is with me at the time, right now maybe on the stage, but I know uh, others are out there. <laughs> you don't have to answer that question. I love every one of them. <laughs> but right now there's one real close. Right <laughs> They're all precious. <laughs> Well, bless their hearts. Uh, <laughs> uh, we, uh, one of the things that, uh, that this fun thing for Mike and I, we decided a couple years ago, actually I guess about three years ago, yeah. to combine our mission day with Duck Commander Day. This has always been a fun day, you know, for the church because it's always been an outreach day. And so Duck Commander Day was about inviting people locally, you know, hey, wear your camo, come out. In the old days, we'd hear one of the guys speak, you know, we had one service. And then we got to thinking, well, you know, Mission Day is our day that we reach out all over the world. And so, of course, we're always wanting to reach people here, uh, but we want to reach people everywhere, all part of the globe. And that's kind of what now we feel like our family is doing uh, through the show and through uh, us going out and speaking. So let me ask you guys a little bit about that, about, about mission stuff and trips, because we've all been on a lot of different things. Uh, give us an experience maybe you had, maybe when you were here as a, as a, as a kid. Missy, I know you were in the youth group. Um, Corey was, of course, she's not here. Maybe something from that or maybe something even more recent where, you know, 
you were touched by what you saw in another place in the world and made you want to, to be more engaged in that? Oh my goodness, I could talk like for hours about this because when I was a kid, I grew up here at this church and my dad was a preacher on staff here. And when I was a little bitty kid, we had a camper, a little tiny motorhome. And we would go around and do what my dad called camper rallies. And we would have a sign, a big yellow, like a street sign, in our little yard at whatever campground we were staying at. And it said CROSS, C-R-O-S-S. And it meant Camper Rally on Saving Souls. And so we would go out and knock doors and take people food and mow their lawns and paint their houses. And that was all, you know, within the United States. So I learned at a very young age about being mission-minded in order to influence people for Jesus Christ. And then when I was a freshman, we went to New York. Um, my school did, Washtenaw Christian, and we did the same thing. We studied with people, painted their houses, mowed their lawns, took, took them food. And so, you know, I never had a point in my life where I thought, you know, I probably should get involved in missions. I was just so blessed because it had always just been a part of my life. And then um, I did come to a point, though, where I said, I want to get my kids involved in missions because of the impact that it, it had on my own life. And so um, when Reed was 12, we went to the interior of Mexico with a lot of teenagers into, uh, into Jalitla, Mexico, and then we would drive out one and a half to two hours to a village, different village every day. And that, that made a huge impact on my life. I was hoping it would make an impact on Reed's, and I think it did, but I was overwhelmed at, I guess, just the, the lack of everything that these people had and the patience that they had. They were so humble, very appreciative. You know, we couldn't speak the language, but the language barrier, there wasn't any because of the love that was shown both to and from these people and to us and I remember going into these villages and they would spend I don't know probably a month's wages for our lunch because there were probably about 15 of us and I mean two liter drinks where in the world did they get two liter drinks in the middle of literally nowhere I don't know they traveled I'm sure a long way to get these drinks for us we would have gladly drank anything but I was overwhelmed, I think, by that aspect of we would drive up and there would be a line of five, six hundred people that had been there since that morning. And since it took us so long to get there, they'd been in line for hours and hours holding their babies, all their children standing there patiently waiting. And I thought, boy, that is such a difference than happening in America, you know, with the impatience that we have over here and very appreciative for free you know, glasses and, and vitamins and, and medical care. And then, um, you know, Manny Canales would sit there with his Bible as they went through the line, and he would just be sharing Jesus with every single one of them. That was a huge impact on me. And I know I'm talking a lot. Like I said, I can talk forever about this. But the one I want to really talk about is the Dominican Republic. And all of these ones that I've mentioned before, you know, you go in for a week and you go home, and you're impacted, and you hope that you've made an impact on them. But... But I really don't know if I did or not because the relationship wasn't established. But that's what I love about this church and the mission, the mission team that we have here is because just in my own experience, um, we've gone to the Dominican Republic quite a few times and we have made relationships 
with children in an orphanage and with a church there. We know how they're going. We know how they're doing. These children are thriving, and they weren't at first. And because of that relationship and because of our love for them, we have made such a huge goal that I think we've accomplished, even monetarily, to make sure that they're well taken care of. We've even sent our own ambassadors to live there for a few months and be their hands and their feet every single day and to teach them how to brush their teeth and how to, to have good hygiene and, and even learning some English because we all know that they've got to learn English in order to get out of that poverty there in the Dominican and make something of themselves. And so um, I, I'm so proud to be a part of that and I love the relationships. I even dream about these kids sometimes because I just hope that they're doing well and we see them on Facebook. They can get um, on Facebook every once in a while and they'll, they'll, they'll send us a message and I think it's just wonderful the way that this church has set that up. They know what they're doing and I'm just so proud to be a part of that. You know, I know that uh, you have opportunity to go and uh, see your kids go, but way before that, uh, you were also a part of sending people. You know, uh, groups went out, and, and your husbands, I've traveled with some of your husbands overseas, and uh, uh, so I think for folks that are here that can't go or can't be on the field themselves, what's, what was it like, like when you when you were the senders, you know, and you were sitting back and your husbands were going on those trips. What was that like? That was hard. <laughs> Especially because when, like when y'all went to, um, to Russia, we didn't have cell phones. And we would all gather at Kellett's house for the three-minute phone call because it was like $13 a minute or something. And so we would all, you know, we sit there on the phone. And after about two or three phone calls, I said, I don't think I want to hear any more because of their antics that happened on that trip, that could be a whole lesson story right there. I mean, jumping off of trains because they missed their spot and hoping people were throwing their luggage off and the plane running out of gas. I mean, I was like, okay, I think I've heard enough. Y'all just, I'll just pray for you. No, I would heard about that trip was uh, notorious. They were like Lord of the Flies, you know, over their food. Uh, it's a, you already hear Is that. Is that the one where Jason said he almost starved to death? Yeah, yeah, that yeah. One. And of course, his mother, who was thinking of him the whole time, I said, Jason, if I were you, I'd put some canned food in that suitcase. Find a sausage, beanie weenies, soup, you know, things like that. He said, Mom, you're always thinking of food. Well, yeah, I feed a lot of people. I know they get hungry. <laughs> know about things like that. And that would have been good when they thought about eating one another later on. <laughs> But when I heard him up in the middle of the I heard him up in the middle of the night rattling crackers. They were trying to, you know, hide the food from everybody else while they were sleeping and eating. And, <laughs> and he did say, "Mom, I would have starved to death if you hadn't sent all those cans." They stayed in an apartment building that was once like the equivalent of the CDC in America. So they all ended up with some weird virus or something. Remember <laughs> that? They were all that explains out. a lot now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I didn't know that, but now that's when Jason came on with that woman's coat. Oh, yeah, yeah. He said he bought it. But nowadays, we're, we're past that, okay? Other countries aren't all starving like that one was. But now, I, the opportunity I have, um, I was just able to send some people over. And I want to tell you something, the reward and the joy you find when they come back and tell you everything that they did and how it changed their life. Uh, I know we sent Paul and Crystal Lewis 
on a couple of uh, mission trips. I don't know. And that just, it, they said it changed our lives. I mean, it was so good. I just sit, Dan, Phil calls him Dan the butler, and I kind of do too, but our main new man at our house and at our workstation. But I'm going to tell you something. To know you've got hands on the ground that you sent that can do your place when you can't go. And right now, we're doing as much as we can do, but to be able to send somebody out there, it changes their lives. And as Missy said, I've heard the teens talk about it changed their lives. And I really have always felt like if every child in America could go to a third world country, they might learn something about contentment. Because you see things, and when you hear about kids eating out of garbage and things, that's really true. And, and cardboard houses do exist. And I mean, the first rain, I would be just a mess. I'll tell you that right now. I'd be out chasing my food down, but that's just me. <laughs> as, as one, um, of course, Alan was a preacher here, so uh, whenever he would go on a trip, I would get to go with him. And you guys would always, on mission day, you put money in, and that's how we were able to go on mission trips. And so I am someone who benefited from all of you putting money in uh, during mission day for us to go on these trips. And it really is amazing to go and see um, how people actually live. But then whenever you get back home, you think, do I really need that? Um, do, I, you know, do, I, do I need another pair of shoes? Um, you know, maybe I could take this money and send it there. So it really does change the way that you feel um, about the world and about how everybody else lives. But um, thank you so much, all of you, for giving on Mission Day so that um, me and Alan and Mike and Susan, you know, went on many trips together um, to do just that, and that was to proclaim Jesus and to help our brothers and sisters across the world. Can I remind you of that next time you go to buy some shoes? Can I remind you of that? No. Oh, okay. I was going to try to get that on record here. I'll buy the shoes and gifts. Okay, there you go. Usually both. We, uh, you know, we had so many opportunities, and some of our best friends now, uh, literally in the world, are people we met overseas. And uh, we stay in contact, and uh, not only just to monetary support, but just, you know, prayer support. I get, I get notes all the time still, would you pray for me? Uh, would you lift up our family? Uh, and that's the blessing of, of what we do. And so that's the part of what Mission Day is about as well, is to be able to send folks uh, that want to go. And uh, one of the policies we've always had here at the church is when people are going someplace, we try to help them some. We may have to pay for the whole trip, but we're going to help you some, you know, to try to get there. Because we know it will change your life uh, for the positive, which is good. Any more, Mike? We're almost at wrap-up time. Anything what? else Anything else you would like to yeah, say about mission? Like or something. just about anything? Well, you know, just, uh, and that's something that you talk to your children about, your grandkids about. I know I have some that I work, my grandkids, that we do little Bible studies and, and praying for people, souls in other countries and for the children and teaching your children to pray for them, to give. I remember when our kids had the, you know, always given the, the little things where they filled up the money things and everything to know that they can be part of giving to this, even if it's the, just small amounts, but it's what they have, that they can help somebody in another country to learn about Jesus. And the people that go there and work, the missionaries, I'm telling you, they don't have the best health care, 
they don't have the best a lot of things, but they give that up for the souls of other people. And just that alone, I think about their, but if they, you know, they're out there on the ground, like they call the guerrilla troops, that's what they're doing. And they're doing that for Jesus. And they're giving up a lot of things that we have the comforts here in America and the safety of America. And yet they're out there in other countries. And I want to tell you something, we need to not forget that and not forget to teach our children and our grandchildren about that. That needs to be taught all the time. And I try to remind them, and we have Jessica's kids and the ones I'm with right now, and we have Bible studies and prayers. And just about as such as that, that people are on the ground in a other country in a strange way and different from here, not the safety of this country, just to share Jesus. And we don't need to forget that and to forget to remind them and the prayers and the money and that everything we can do daily for those other people. And don't forget that. You know, I know our, uh, our mission starts here at home, so we obviously have outreach right here in our own town. That's part of missions, too. Uh, but, but now that you're, like, traveling and going a lot more as your preacher, I want to put you on the spot. Uh, what, uh, uh, what do you, when you're gone here, what do you miss most about not being able to be here as much at, the, at your church family? Uh, and, of course, you're in a lot of different churches and those kinds of things now. The singing. So. I miss the singing. The singing. <laughs> <laughs> I love the singing here, of course, and I think we have great harmony, and I love that we that we don't use instruments on Sunday morning because I love hearing all the voices. So that's the first thing that I noticed, but I'm a singer, so that's the first thing I noticed that I miss when we go other places. But I have learned one great thing is that because, you know, a lot of people don't travel, and we've only been doing this for the past few years, there are a lot of people out there that love Jesus Christ. And there are a lot of people out there who want to serve him and serve each other. And because, you know, our only real access to people around the country and the world may be the media, you know, to see what's going on in certain towns, and they don't really put the best of the best on TV, of course, when they interview people. But, you know, to actually get out there into different churches and different organizations, we do a lot of charity events. There are a lot of worthy causes out there and a lot of people who give a lot of their time and energy and effort and money to help other people, and that's really encouraging to me. Lisa and I miss Trent's humor uh, the most. I didn't say that, Trent. Oh, that I actually miss the hugs and the smiles around here. Um, whenever we walk in these doors, um, you know, whenever you go to another church, you still feel a connection because they are your brothers and sisters, but whenever I walk through these doors, this is my family. This is my forever family right here. And I miss those hugs and smiles and, and just, you don't treat me any different than you do anybody else. And that's a great thing to walk in those doors and just feel the love and, you know, acceptance that we have here. I was going to say, I, I agree. I love the singing, but I miss um, our church family. And when we're traveling a lot and some, we, some Sundays we miss, in a row, you know, it'll be like a month we miss, and I feel like, do I need to sign a visitor card? Because sometimes I feel like a stranger <laughs> in our home. But like, this is our home, and um, and I'll call my best friends, and I'm like, I need some friend time, and we'll get together and on a you know Monday or so and have coffee and and muffins, and we just get to like just share what's going on in our life, and so we still have those connections. Yes, we get super busy, 
But, um, you know, one thing, one of the main blessings I didn't get to say is um, Jeff and I, we're really a lot more introverted than the other brothers and sister-in-laws, and um, I never thought we would ever go and share, you know, our testimony with anyone. And so really, you know, God giving us that strength and, you know, knowing I get to share the love of Christ with other people, that's probably the biggest blessing. And uh, like on the cruise, we baptized with over 200 people. Um, that's why we're doing this, and that's why God gave us this platform, I feel like. Well, you know what? You knew us when Phil was a commercial fisherman, okay? And that was an ugly, stinky job. And I guess the home family knows the good and bad and ugly of, of all of us. I mean, we came to Jesus here. I mean, we were, Phil and I were a broken family, and yet we found Jesus here. And, um, you know, everybody thinks the Phil is so strong now. And I remember how much strength that, like Bill Smith, Smith had when he came to actually a bar where Phil was working to try to share with him. Of course, at the time, he, he wanted no part of Bill or anybody else that had a Bible. But yet, it took a lot of courage for that man to walk in the back door of that place. I want to tell you something, I was shaking all over. But, you know, when Phil came broken, you know, he wanted to talk to was that white-haired dude that had the nerve to walk in the bar to want to share with him. That's who he wanted to talk to, and that came from right here, this church family. A lot of courage here, a lot of love, and a lot of people that see the good, bad, and ugly of all, all of us, and we do have it. We're just regular people. Because we got on TV now, we're all of a sudden super people. Not true. <laughs> Not true. We're just the same people. But you know what? The good, bad, and ugly was here, and you loved us anyway. And um, we always know the home base is praying for us. We know the home base loves us, and the home base welcomes us home. And we're thankful for you and for that. Mike to, to say a prayer uh, for us and our family. And I want to encourage you to do that as well. Um, we, we know we have a great opportunity uh, to do things for the kingdom. So we bear that burden. It's a blessing, but it's also a burden as well because we don't want to blow it. God's given us something great. And so uh, we, one of the things that encourages me a lot, I know it does these ladies as well, is when people come up to us on the road, people we've never met and said, I pray for your family all the time because I can only imagine the pressures you're under, what Satan is trying to do. That means a lot to me because I know that the prayers are going up on our behalf. So I just want to encourage our home base here, home family at WFR, to do the same. Um, you keep us humble uh, just by being who you are, and uh, we always want to try to do that. So, Mike, would you offer up a, a prayer yeah, for us? Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for the opportunities you've created. I'm thankful, Father, for the Robertson family and for their willingness to uh, uh, really just to take advantage of the opportunities they've been given to hear, uh, to speak the name of Jesus and to uh, be behind not only their own personal mission of reaching people, but also to support and help send out missionaries around the world. And 
so grateful, Father, for how you've used them. So I pray, Father, that you would give them wisdom and discernment, that you would protect them, keep the evil one away from them. Watch over them, Father, in all their plans and efforts and travels. I know to travel that many miles and to stay safe in doing so, you've already answered so many prayers, and we continue to pray for that. And we're grateful, Father, you are using them for the kingdom's sake. Uh, so thank you, Father, uh, for Jesus most of all. And I pray that you would continue to be with them as they spread the good news throughout the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. This is the end of our Bible class time. Our second service will start in about 20 minutes. So thank you, guys. Thank you, all
in my lap for a good night hug He calls me dead and I call him bug With his faded old pillow and burning food He snuggles up close and says I wanna be like you I tuck him in bed and I kiss him goodnight Tripping over the toys as I turn Whisper a prayer that someday you'll see He's got a father and God Cause he's seen Jesus in me Lord, I wanna be just like you Cause he wants to be just like me I wanna be a holy example For his innocent eyes to see Help me be a living Bible Lord that my little boy can be I wanna be just like you Cause he wants to be like me Got to admit I've got so 
so many mistakes and I'm sure that you know Sometimes it seems no matter how hard I try With all the pressures in life I just can't get it all right But I'm trying so hard to learn from the best Being patient and kind filled with your tenderness Cause I know that you learn from the things that he sees And the Jesus he finds will be the Jesus in me Lord, I wanna be just like you Cause he wants to be just like me I wanna be a holy example For his innocent eyes to see Help me be a living Bible, Lord That my little boy can be I wanna be just like you
Right. Good morning. We're going to start our service here. If you would, just go ahead and stand right where you're at. We'll sing every, everybody else on in here with a song. Some glad morning when this life is old, I'll fly away, fly away, fly away to a home on God's celestial shore. I'll fly away, fly away. Commander and Mission Sunday at the Watch Ferry Road. We are so grateful that uh, you chose to be with us this morning. Good morning, church. Y'all can respond back if you're awake out there. Oh, there we go. Okay, good. I wanted to make sure. I saw Mountain Man over there coming in. Hey, Mountain Man. How you doing, buddy? Hey, Mountain Man. <laughs> We're so glad you guys are here today. Uh, Duck Commander Day has uh, been a tradition at Weiss Bay Road uh, for many years. Uh, Mike and I sort of dreamed this up years ago. It would be a great idea to uh, encourage people to wear camo. You know, camo is, is always welcomed at Weiss Bay Road, but it's actually encouraged today. Uh, but if you're wearing a suit, we love you too, uh, just so <laughs> you know. Uh, and we're really glad that you're here today. It was really an outreach day for us uh, just to reach into our community and invite people to come. But we've also now combined it with our mission day, which we're very excited. So every uh, dollar that's collected today that you guys give a little bit later on will go to our mission budget. And uh, we are really excited about that. And I want to encourage you uh, to give today. And so I'm not the preacher anymore, so I can just say, put some money in the plate. Come on, people. Help us out. It's going to be great today. And I am the preacher, so I have to put some more money. <laughs> if you, uh, if you are... We're here for the first service, and you're coming twice. You can even give twice if you like. That'd be okay, too. Uh, no, uh, uh, the day is a special day. Uh, a lot of people around the world uh, will benefit uh, from uh, the entire contribution today. Uh, both services will go toward missions, and uh, it's just a great opportunity to see a lot of great things happening around the world. So we want to ask God's blessing on our assembly uh, this morning, so if you would, bow with me. Father, thank you for the day. Thank you for our time together. I pray... Uh, just that our worship will honor you, give you glory. We're grateful for the gospel that rescued us, and we want to share that with as many people around the world as we can. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We continue our worship this morning with some more singing. If you would stand with us. Say to those who are fearful hearted, do not be afraid. The Lord your God is strong with his mighty arms when you call on his name. He will come and save. He will come and save. He will come and save you. He will come and save. Say to the weary one, your God will 
will surely come. He will come and save you. Yes. He will come and save you. He will come and save you. Lift up your eyes to him. You will arise again. He will come and save you. Say to those who are broken hearted, do not lose your faith. The Lord your God is strong with his loving arms when you call on his name. He will come and save. He will come and save you. He will come and save you. Say to the weary one, your God will surely come. He will come and save you. Yes. He will come and save you. He will come and save you. Lift up your eyes to him. You will arise again. He will come and save you. He will come and save you. He will come and save you. Say to the weary one, your God will surely come. He will come and save you. He will come and save you. He will come and save your eyes to him, you will arise again, he will come and save Lift you. up your eyes. Lift up your eyes to him, you will arise again, he will come and save you. Jesus, you are so good. Jesus, you are so good. There's nothing to fear, cause I'm here in your Jesus, you are so good. Jesus, you are so, so good. I just want to thank you with every beat of my heart. Jesus, you are so good. Jesus, you are so good. There's nothing to fear because I'm here in your presence. Jesus, you are so good. Jesus, you are so, so
just want to thank you with every beat of my heart. Let's go again. Jesus, you are so good. Jesus, you are so good. There's nothing to fear because I'm here in your presence. Jesus, you are so good. Jesus, you are so, so good. I just want to thank you with every beat of my heart. Well, if you were here in the first service, you're visiting with us, we're glad you're here for another round. And you've already heard these songs before, so we expect you to be singing loud. And if you're not here with us this morning, if you're uh, coming, coming to us through the internet, we hope you're singing loud too wherever you're at. We shall assemble on the mountain. We shall assemble at the throne. With humble hearts into His presence, we bring an offering of song.
Oh, my Savior, God, to thee, how great. 
I'm a uh, busy guy, got a lot of stuff going on, and I don't really know how to tell you how busy I am. I guess it would kind of be like going to the grocery store, buying your groceries, running at full speed with 10 minutes to go, and you've got to get everything for a meal. My, uh, my wife is in Africa. My daughters are in Los Angeles right now, which took their grandmother, Chris, with them which leaves me and John Luke and Will at home. <laughs> now for me, that's panic city. John Luke is 18, he can take care of himself, but he's not the best at taking care of other stuff, so I have Will. I literally would wake up panicked that Will is at school and Dad has forgotten him there, or Will's at football practice, so it's been a stressful thing. I need to be reminded. Right now is our chance to remember uh, Jesus and what he did. You know, it's just like September 11th. We remember every September 11th we think about that. You know why? Because we don't want to go back there. And where it's, we're not celebrating that. Just like Jesus, a man was killed. God himself came to this earth and died. While the benefits are great for us, but it was still a sad event. And God knows that we needed to remember that. Take time and remember. Because just like the grocery store. Have you ever went to the grocery store for milk? Bought all the other things and got home and said, I forgot to buy the milk. Because it's so distracting with everything else going on. And God knew that we would need that. You know, and I was thinking about this morning. Just by remembering can help change your life and dictate how you live in the future. So you think about that. September 11th. When we think about that, it actually affects policy, wars, what we do all across the nation because we think back and think we don't want that to happen again. We've got to take measures to make sure that never happens again. And it's the same thing with the gospel, what Jesus did for us. By remembering this every week, it will change your life on how you live your life in the future. It's amazing. It's something so simple as just remembering. And God knew that we would need to be reminded. Because guess what? We would forget. 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says, let me remind you of the gospel. He went all the way back and reminded. So with that in mind, let's remember our Lord and Savior come to this earth and dying. Father, we're so thankful for the gospel. We're thankful for Jesus. We're thankful for this church and the impact that what happened 2,000 years ago, Father, is affecting what's happening right here at this building in West Monroe, Louisiana. Thank you, Father. Thank you for Jesus' death. Father, we remember right now, we want to think about the body that was laid down, the blood that was shed, all together in communion with believers, with some non-believers, Father, who are watching us. And Father, we pray that we live our lives differently because of what happened. 
We love you. Thank you for that gift. We pray that we never forget it, and we change our lives every day because of it. Through him we pray. Amen. Al just told me that the first service, I talked about Heaven's Grocery Store. I promise we were not double whammy in grocery store analogies today. We didn't get together on that. Um, we, um, as, as, you, as we remember this, uh, this morning uh, before this service, I, I had the chance to lay that out to someone. And um, at 72 years old, he said, that's the most simple message I've ever heard. I've been to churches all my life and I've never heard it that simple. And it really is simple, isn't it? Jesus died and was buried and was raised for us. It's a simple message. We obey that. And um, that reminder is what pushes myself and hopefully all of us to continue to share that message with others. It's one thing to remember it. It's another thing to live it out 
and tell other people about that because that's how we all got here. Someone shared it with us. 2,000 years later, we're still sharing that message. Let's pray. Father, we're so thankful for the blood that was shed for us. Father, through the pain and through the misery, through such a horrific event, that blood, Father, pays for all the sins, not just of this group here, but the sins of the world ever since Jesus was here. Father, we are thankful that we have the opportunity to hear that. We're thankful that we have the opportunity to obey that. Father, we pray, please help us through the help of the Spirit to continue to open our mouths and live our lives and share that with others so that so many more can be snatched out of the fire, Father, and live for you. Thank you for this blood, Father, through Christ. Amen.
So I didn't, I forgot to tell you earlier, so we preached the gospel to my friend Leon. Leon said he was going to get baptized, so I just wanted to, so you, just so you know there, the power's in the gospel. We, um, now it's money, and uh, Al just reminded me that uh, all the money that's given today will go to missions, so that's right, Al. So I'm going to ask John Howard to remind me to put some more in. Uh, oh, there you go. He's got, um, see, we all need reminders, right? Um, my wife is in Ethiopia, so we didn't set this up either. So the few little texts I have gotten from her, I know what's going to happen when she gets back home. It is going to be a big mission to get money for what she just went to. And so uh, I'll be glad to help her. She said, we're asking all our friends and uh, to give money. Those friends are not in here. Those are friends that live in other states that have a lot of money. So we're going we're gonna to go see if we can get some money uh, for that. But it is, you know, to have, to have money, it's funny. You know, we give, you should be a person who should give a lot of money to the kingdom things. And when I say a lot of money, it's not, it's a lot of money to you. So whatever that is to say, I give a lot of money, look at it in comparison to the other things that you spend money on. And you should give a lot of money to anything involved in the kingdom. Whether it's summer camps, this church, missions, whatever those things are, we should never be the ones who run out of money for that. I was at the uh, LSU game last night, and we're sitting in fancy suites, and just to look around and see how much money goes through there is unbelievable with that many people. So my goal is to be the same way and the same way I feel about LSU and ULM and college football and all that. I want to be way more for God and all the things that he has going on. So let's give a lot of money to the Lord, especially today, as this goes out uh, to missions all over the world. Who, and Corey said, we have no idea how blessed we are, and I know what she means by being over there. Let's pray. Father, we just pray that... In keeping up with that gospel being number one in our lives, we pray that our checkbooks, our savings accounts, all of that reflects our love for you. And it reflects our love for other people. It reflects that we help people out. It reflects that we want to give money so that we can pay people and we can buy things that will help continue to further your gospel. Father, we pray that we do not get caught up in the love of chasing this money. We know it is rampant in our country. We know we are blessed. We know we have nice things. But Father, we just pray that that does not become our goal. We pray that we do not get engrossed with selfishness, Father, and more things for ourselves. And we pray that we give to others um, as you guide us, as people guide us for need. Father, we're so thankful to be here. We're thankful that we do have chances to make money but, Father, we just pray that that same body and that same blood is reflective of our money. Father, our treasure is in heaven, and we thank you for that. Through Christ we pray. Amen. like these, I sing out a song, I sing out a love song to Jesus, 
In moments like these, I lift up my voice. I lift up my voice to the Lord. Singing, I love you, Lord. Singing, I love you, Lord. Singing, I love you, Lord. I love you. In moments like these, I sing out a song. I sing out a love song to Jesus. In moments like these, I lift up my hands, I lift up my hands to the Lord, singing, I love you, Lord, singing, I love you, Lord, singing, I love you, Lord, I love you. Go again. Singing, I love you, Lord. We're going to dismiss our kids to their classes. We're going to sing a couple more songs. If you would, stand. Let our kids kind of get out and get by you. We'll sing a couple more songs, and we'll let Jace up here. Jesus, you're my firm foundation. I know I can stand secure. Oh, Jesus, you're my firm foundation. I put my hope, I put my hope in your holy word. I put my hope, I put my hope in your holy word. I have a living hope. Holy word. I put my hope in your holy word.
time you heard that. <laughs> I was in Waco, Texas last night. Are you kidding me? Did y'all did y'all follow me back? Took a man with me by the name of Trent Langhofer. Trent, are you here? Oh, there he is. Good. Boy, you're never going to see this coming. You know, to you who are visiting, Trent has been doing a lot of preaching here. We kind of have a double barrel system. We have Mike Kellett, who kind of represents the countryside. And then we have Trent, who has, let's just say, has yuppie tendencies. <laughs> so we're working with him here. And uh, last night he said, uh, so Jace, you want me to, to be your bodyguard? Because he's heard some of the things that have happened, and that they haven't, you know, there hasn't been a lot of things, but there have been a few incidents. And uh, I said, well, yeah, you know, if somebody, you know, if you can, if you see that somebody's getting a little crazy or whatever, you can step in there. And he said, well, well, shouldn't I have a weapon? Because <laughs> he, he knows that Jay Stone sometimes, who just, you know, he's got a look about him. You know, he carries a weapon when he goes with me. And I said, well... You know, in my mind, I was trying to think of a nice way to say this, so I really didn't, but it was crossing my mind. I thought, now, Trent, we took you dove hunting. 
last Saturday, and I believe you were one for 75. <laughs> so I thought to myself, what good is a gun going to do? <laughs> Guess you could always have that miracle bullet. You know, it kind of hit me that, uh, that we had become famous, not that I ever desired to be, and I still do not consider myself fame worthy. I'm just a country boy, duck call builder, flawed human being. But it hit me in Lake Charles. Is there anybody in from Lake Charles here? All right, well, cover your ears for the next 60 seconds, because I'm going to tell a story. I'm in Lake Charles. There's an event. I pulled up. It's noon, and there are thousands of vehicles and cars outside this mall, and we had an appearance that we were going to do. Well, when I got out, there was a couple in a little Volkswagen that recognized me, and as I'm trying to get to the line, I see the line, and I need to be in the front of it because we're going to meet and greet. This woman is like hysterically screaming, Jace, Jace, hold up. But I'm like, yeah, hey, and I, I'm trying to, I'm, I don't want to stop. And she's like, I'm your number one fan. You don't understand this. <laughs> so she kept screaming, so I kind of stopped. She's like, I really am your number one fan. I was like, yeah, and I was just, I thought, I need to go. And she said, no, really, I am. And the next thing that happened was, now she's there with her, looked like her husband, her pants started coming down. And I'm like, I'm looking around. And she was attempting to show me a tattoo that she had got. And it was of a duck, and it was our logo for Duck Commander. Well, now, that scared me to death. <laughs> I looked over at her husband thinking, this is fixing to get ugly. And he went, Okay, you maybe you are our number one fan. I'm gone. Some of you are probably wondering how in the world did this Duck Dynasty thing happen? And when you see our wives, you're like, what? So I hope to kind of shed some light on that. You know, there was a time when I was a kid that I'll tell you who wasn't around was God. I remember our life up on the state line and it was chaos and confusion and a lot of cutting up. And it's amazing how, you know, when a pig pen smells like freedom, it's just a bad circumstance. And I tell this story everywhere I go, uh, but I think this is the first time in a while that the man who got in a car with my Aunt Jan, who for those of you who do not know, she's like the female version of Cy in the Robertson family. <laughs> Just the fact that you got in the car with her, and this man right here, Mr. Bill Smith, drove to, a, to the state line bar and had a Bible study. 
I would say he more introduced Jesus Christ to my dad. So, at that moment, you know, when you're in the pig pen, it takes a while for the aroma to catch on, and then you see an alternative, a way out. And he realized that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And when that's real in your life, the fact that that doesn't change, things start to change in your life. And that's what happens. So when you start going back and you say, I wonder how this, this happened, because I believe God had a plan. Willie had this idea that we needed to be on TV, which I thought was not one of. I thought that was the dumbest thing I'd ever heard. <laughs> I said, this will never work. For the record, when you're embarrassed, this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Willie's pretty slick. He, uh, he had a meeting, you know, with this A&E bunch up in New York, and uh, to get a way to pay for it, I didn't realize this until a few weeks later, he had me do a duck call seminar in New Jersey. And so that kind of financed the trip. And as a, as a bonus section for me, we got to go to a New York Yankees baseball game. So I thought, well, okay, it's good. So we get up there, and, you know, Willie's waiting to meet with these executives, which I didn't even ask him about it because I thought this whole thing was ridiculous. I'm ready to go to see the Yankees play baseball. We're drinking $4 cups of coffee. I'm already feeling uncomfortable because of the amount of concrete that's around us. And, you know, there's people walking around there looking at me, you know. A guy's briskly walking by, and he drops some coins in Willie's cup. <laughs> now, I'm laughing. I thought it was hysterical. I was like, oh, you think this is funny? I said, yeah, you know why this is funny? Because this guy, in a fairly quick amount of time, without really focusing, viewed you as way more pathetic than me. <laughs> and you know, a couple of years later, I was escorted out of the Trump Hotel, even though that's where I was staying, because A&E put me there. And you say, are you kidding me? This guy thought we were homeless. If we would have told him, look, we're fixed to be on a TV show where millions of people watch that. I mean, I'm sure he would have busted out laughing. I'm thinking we need some coins here. <laughs> and you know that show has been shown in over 100 countries? You know, good luck to the guy translating Uncle Si. And even though it's not a spiritual show, you know, it's a comedy. The, whether I'm serious or not, when the cameras are rolling, I know what they're going to show. They're going to show when I'm acting kind of silly. But there's something that we're proud of, and it speaks to real life. We don't think it's abnormal that a family, even though we have problems, even though we have a lot of good times and we laugh together, even though we have some pain. We don't think it's abnormal. 
for a family to gather around a table and pray to an almighty God. And by that being viewed, and to have something that can be watched by the entire family, which is almost impossible, is something that plants a seed. Now you in our hometown, you know what we're all about. And I want to make it abundantly clear. The recipe for our success has been God, family, and ducks in that order. And a crazy Uncle Si. <laughs> so, I'm not ashamed that Jesus Christ is my Lord. We use what has happened as a platform to declare that we believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That's what we do. Now, you say, well, how did this start? You know, I mean, they're still not answering the fact that if you didn't have any money when you were teenagers, what's the deal with the wives? <laughs> you know, miracles come to mind. Uh, now, I'm going to tell you what happened. You know, my dad, if y'all hadn't noticed, he can be real blunt. And I believe it's because he came from such a pathetic lifestyle by his own admission. He, he pretty much knows what's going on. And when you try to hoodwink him, or, you know, I've seen him have a lot of Bible studies, and he's like, come on, man. Who are you trying to kid him? And so he can be real blunt, and he can be real graphic, because he was there. If it's illegal and it's immoral, he did it during that 10-year period. And so when this transformation happened, he started to boldly proclaim Jesus Christ and bluntly and even with us I mean look I remember asking my dad I was like look I heard some guys talking about STDs at school what's that all about he said son let me come here come here let me tell you something he said you keep everything in your pocket till you get married and you won't have to worry about it now, I was seven years old. <laughs> so I'm looking around. Okay, Dad. But you know, when I became a teenager, I never forgot that. And as I began to entertain the idea that God's way is the best way, I decided that that's exactly what I was going to do. And I started dating girls with the intention that I was going to date them in order that maybe they could help me get to heaven. And so I wasn't spending a whole lot of time saying, no, I'm not going to do that. When they got in the car, I gave them a speech. <laughs> and some of them left. But when I gave the speech to Missy, she said, it sounds good to me. So we formed a spiritual relationship. The problem was when I went over to meet her parents. Because, you know, as we started getting more serious, 
they kind of looked at me, and Missy was like, what do I tell them that you do? And I was like, well, babe, I build duck calls. She said, yeah, I know. What should we tell them you do? <laughs> so it hit me. I said, I got it. You go tell them that you are seriously dating an air traffic controller. Some of you, that just went right over your head. <laughs> See, these things control the air. My dad in 1972 said, I'm going to build a duck call that sounds like ducks. Duh. That was duh. Because here was the thinking of the duck call world. If you want to be a world championship duck caller, and you go to the contest, this is what you're going to hear. Well, I've triggered a response. That usually doesn't happen unless I lose enough wind to pass out. Now, the guy feels good about that until the next guy gets up there. And then he'll go. And this goes on and on and on all day. And you say, well, what's the problem? The problem is, I've never heard a duck do that. <laughs> Anything close to that. But it's a demonstration of air control. But people build duck calls that they can do that because it's kind of fun. And my dad said, well, look, I'm going to build duck calls that just sound like ducks because I like to eat duck meat. <laughs> so he built the first double-reeded duck call that sounded like a hen. Now, this is a triple read that I invented, but it's the same concept. A mallard hen will do three things. She'll quack. <coughs> she'll do a feed call. And here's what gets me about that. Everybody who picks up a duck call, they'll, they'll go. I'll say, what is that? It's a feed call. And they'll go hunting, and they'll be hunting a 20-foot deep lake. We call that a resting hole because there's nothing out there to eat. And they see ducks, and the first thing they do is. And then they say, you know, these ducks are hard to get in here. Well, guess why they're not coming in your hole? Because you're an idiot. That's a feed call. They do that when they're eating. I'm trying to train you in the art of duck calling here. And then they'll do a greeting call. When ducks hear that, they think, oh, there's some other ducks. It's just like we say, hey! You turn around. Come on over to the house. Say, well, I just think I might. Now what we do is we have painted pieces of plastic, we call them decoys. They're not real. It's illegal to hunt with live decoys. I actually tried it and it works. <laughs> Statute of limitations have, have, you know, they're gone. So you're not going to get me. I said I tried it, all right? So you got to make these things seem real. So we have the duck calls, we blow, they think, oh, there's a party going on. They come in, then we shoot them. We clean them, 
and we take them home and we eat them. That, that was the idea. And it actually worked. And we started matching all the sounds based on what kind of ducks you were trying to call. The mallard drake, the male version of the mallard, will go... That's all he does. And it really doesn't lock the ducks up. They hear that. But we built this because a lot of people can't blow a hen call very good. But anybody can say, ah, and go. So it gives, gives them something to do. Now, if you're a tenor or possibly a female and you have a higher-pitched voice, it may come out, ah, ah, which sounds just like a tree frog. It does. You might want to go with a hen call. And look, we match up all the sounds. This is a wood duck. If you heard this, some of you have never heard this sound. And when they're on the water, they'll go. And some of you, if you heard that, you'd call 911 because you'd think something bad is going on. And so that was the idea. But look, my dad has always said these are not very important to being a successful duck hunter. That's why when Willie took over the company, he said, Phil, would you quit saying that? We're selling these. <laughs> so what's your point? It's more important to be in the right spot. That's the most important thing. I mean, people call us all the time, and they're like, look, I, I'm in the blind. I'm blowing at the ducks. No matter what I do, they're lighting 200 yards away. I need a call that will walk them that 200 yards into my decoys. What do you have for that, man? I mean, it's over and over. I say, look, save your money and move your blind 200 yards. That's what you do. Look, it's more important to be camouflage. That's where this beard come from. You know, my dad... You know, he turns down an NFL possible career. He wanted to be his own man. He finds the Lord. He moves out. He's like, look, I'm my own boss. I'm just letting myself go. But what he noticed is that in the wintertime when you're hunting and when you're in a boat when it's cold, look, this is great to have. This keeps your face warm. And I love to make fun of people who are clean-shaven when they go out with us, because their face just turns red and tight. I'm like, yeah, what do you think about this now? <laughs> You're miserable. And they look out of place. It's camouflage. Plus, when we come back to town, nobody tries to mug me or members of our family. They look at us and say, not worth it. <laughs> so don't knock it, you know, till you try it. I mean, God changes people from the inside out. I believe it was his idea to create men to have hair come out of their face. And it's awesome in the woods. You should try. Most women are smooth-faced. You notice I said most. <laughs> My dad enlightened me. He had done some seminars, and he said, you know, I'm going to change that to God made all women to most. And he famously said on an episode, he said, look, whiskers on women, it's a bummer. Few women got upset about that, so I said, you need to add, but it's not necessarily a deal breaker. <laughs> hunting, because some of you are saying, I can't believe, you know, you're out there shooting little birds, and I just don't like it. 
You know where the idea of hunting came from? Genesis chapter 9. Now, for the sake of time, I'm going to quote it. But if you want to follow along, you remember the time after the flood? Noah and the ark? After that happened, he told Noah, God, the fear and dread of you will fall upon the beast of the earth, the birds of the air, the crawlers of the ground, and the fish of the sea. Everything that lives and moves will be food for you. Just as I gave you the green plants, I now give you everything. Do you say, what does that mean? Redneck translation, you ready? God told Noah, anything that walks, crawls, flies, or swims, you can kill it and grill it. <laughs> you know what the animals did? They ran. Because up until that time, everybody was happy. And then all of a sudden, whoa, now look, he didn't say you have to. He just said it's on. Do you want to eat salads every day? I'm fine with that. I'm going to eat me some duck wraps with some cream cheese and jalapeno peppers. You want to join me? Fine. If you want to just come watch me eat them, <laughs> fine. But hunting was God's idea, and I'll tell you why. Because, you know, Romans 1 laid out a, a system where if you get it out of place, rank immorality starts to take place. And you say, what is this system? God humans, animals. You know, if you're in a culture where a bird is worth more, or the, the punishment where if you harm the bird is more severe than if you do something to a human baby, that's a recipe for a lot of immorality. You don't think that would happen in our world, do you? And look, it's not like I don't love animals. I love animals. I mean, they're delicious. <laughs> Not just that. We have pets. I think it's our responsibility to take care of their environment as humans. And look, I'm helping a lot more animals than I'm eating. And we, my family, we spend thousands of dollars helping their habitat. I mean, we are kind of selfish. We want our ducks to come to our place because we want to shoot some of them. But we're, we understand that. And, and we do that and support that. But you know what hunting did for me? My dad changed his life. And in an effort to be a better father, he started taking us duck hunting. And I know that was the real reason that I love duck hunting. But I'm going to tell you something. I got to looking around at the planet and the backdrop that we were hunting in. And I was led to a designer. The design that I'm looking at, and you know, we're unapologetic about our faith. And I have all this opposition, and people saying, oh, it's science, man. I don't know why y'all are putting your faith in a creator. And look, I love science, because the more they study, the more they find these details. They come up with DNA. They're looking out through the galaxies. And the more I'm saying, you know what, the more complex this becomes, the more I feel better about an intelligent designer behind this. Because if you don't believe there's a God, you're telling me that this complexity came from some dead matter that was 
just floating through space and you don't even know where that came from. Really? These guys got a telescope that could see way out there and they said, oh my goodness, look at what we found. They found a star named Canis Majoris that compared to the earth in size, if the earth was a golf ball, you could fill up the state of Texas two feet deep in golf balls and get the size of this star. I'm seeing smoke rise from some of your heads. Can you imagine those scientists looking at each other and say, I think we're going to need a bigger telescope. You're telling me that just happened? Here's what it comes down to. There is no God you believe in death after life. You believe there is a God you believe in life after death. No matter what the argument is, it's going to come down to that. That's what it's going to come to. Now, I want to read you something in Acts 17. Because everyone says, you know, well, where is this God if I could just see him? In Acts 17, Paul was explaining the God who is Lord of this heaven and earth. And in verse 24, he says he doesn't live in temples built by hands. And 25 says he's not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Because he himself gives all men life, breath, and everything else. From one man he made every nation of men that they should live on the earth. And he determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. God did this so that men would seek him, reach out for him, and find him, though he's not far from each one of us. If that's true, then you're not an accident. You're not a mistake. You're not junk. If he determined the exact places where you should live and the time that you should be here, all of a sudden I, I realize I'm made on purpose. I'm a masterpiece. And he did this so I would seek him? Well, look at the details. You've got to ignore a lot of details about this creation to deny God. Look at the honeybee. Why does the honeybee build the comb out of six sides, the strongest shape of supporting weight? How did the honeybee figure that out? Why do ducks migrate? It's not working. They're dying by the thousands. They, they ought to just stay in Canada. They feed the food chain. It's a design. And that same designer designed you. Now here's what happens. 1 John 2. So what happened to my dad? What happened to me? In a different light, but it happens to us all. The cravings of our sinful mind, because God gave us a choice. The lust of our eyes and the boasting of what we have and do distract us from the details of everything around us. There's not one atheist on this planet 
who does not agree that he believes in death after life. What a miserable belief system. What, that, that's it? You say, well, how did this thing start? They don't know. They don't know. And they say, well, I just, you know, what about this moral conscience that you have? They say, well, I mean, how do we really know what's right and wrong? You know how we know? When you're doing this to see if anybody's watching you, oh, you know it's wrong. <laughs> Every person I've ever asked that didn't believe in God, I said, you ever looked over your shoulder to see if anybody's watching you? Never had a person say, no, I'm, I'm good. So what do we do about it? kind of miserable if it ended there, isn't it? Fourteen, I was introduced to the same person that my dad was, Jesus Christ. 2014, since the year of our Lord. Jesus walked on the same earth as God in the flesh, and he was the ultimate role model because he's innocent. Never made a mistake. Never did anything unwholesome, ungodly. You know, if you were going to have a hero and a role model and a savior and a Lord, I feel a lot better that this being never made one mistake. Nothing evil exists. And in God's infinite wisdom, he used his life to be sacrificed for the times that we fail to our cravings and our lust and our boasting. And all of a sudden, what you did in the darkness and what I did came to light at the cross. I'm going to tell you right now, it's going to come to light anyway. Because what you've got to remember is you say, well, how come people don't, don't search for God if it's this simple? Because the one thing I've learned about the Christian faith is that it's real easy to defeat God's will. You say, what is God's will? Second Peter says, God does not want anyone to perish. None. So he's patient. But you know, it's pretty easy to defeat that. Because all you got to do is run. And I believe there's a sense of power there. You think, I'm going to do it my way. I'm not going to do it God's way. I'm distracted. Because, you know, I've looked at these Christian evidences, and it hit me. I'd given away my Christian evidence notebook to an atheist, and I called one of my buddies if I, to see if I could borrow his. And he said, well, I'll give you another buddy of ours. You know that guy, and he told me that guy, had, he had fallen away from the Lord. And he said, so I asked him for his Christian evidences notebook. And I'm sitting here studying this notebook, and I thought, how ironic is this? I'm studying the notebook about Christian evidences from a guy's hand who fell away. No matter how much evidence you see, it still takes faith. It takes you looking at the distractions and say, you know what, I'm going with God. I'm going to trust God and do it his way. So Jesus shed his blood on a cross. It's called grace. And by the way, that's our weapon. Not only... Does it save us? Does God forgive us through the, son of his, through the blood of his son? But it's also how we respond to opposition. We share them grace, and grace teaches them to say no.
We love them. I really understand what it is to love your enemies now. I love them. He was buried and then he was resurrected. Jesus Christ is indestructible. He's imperishable. You think about it. We're not. The impossible took place the day Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. I'll never forget Kirk Gibson on one leg hit a home run in the World Series off Dennis Eckersley. It was, the, it was his only at bat of the entire World Series, and they won and went on to win. And some of y'all have no idea because that was years ago. But for me, teenager watching that and a Dodger fan, thought that was the greatest thing I'd ever seen. The reason I never forgot it is I jumped so high I hit a ceiling fan that was functioning. So it was kind of the last thing I remember that night. But as I got older, I listened to the two announcers. The one from the winning side, Ben Scully, said when he hit the home run, he said, the impossible has happened. Now he kind of embellished that. Because technically it wasn't impossible. What's impossible is dying and coming back to life. That's impossible for us. But I get it. He was excited. So was I. The Oakland A's announcer said, I can't believe what I just saw. And that really tells you about winning and losing right there, doesn't it? Same thing here. You got all this evidence. You got all these men who in John 21 looked into the eyes of a dead man who had come back to life and he caught him some fish. He had a fish fry. He said, come, let's eat breakfast. Don't tell me there's not fish fries in heaven. <laughs> They're looking into the eyes of a man who was dead. You know what they did? They all ran and proclaimed Jesus Christ as Lord and God in human form. And when they came to the end of their life, you know how they all died except John? They were martyred because they wouldn't deny that Jesus was the Son of God. Are you kidding me? If that didn't happen and they're fixed to cut your head off, you'd say, wait a minute, whoa, whoa, whoa. I actually didn't see him. I heard about it. How much evidence do you need that every one of them said, go ahead and kill me? But people say, I can't believe it because I didn't see it. Well, I'm going to tell you something. Peter, in Acts chapter 2, he got up and he said, it was impossible for Jesus Christ to remain dead. God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death. I don't know what that means, the agony of death, but I don't want to experience it. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said, what do we do? Peter said, this Jesus whom you crucified is Lord and Christ. Repent. Change. When Jesus is real, things change for the better. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the Holy Spirit. And the next verse says, this promise is for you and your children, and, and here we are today. I surrendered at 14. My dad baptized me. 
I reenacted Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. It was a cool moment because here's this man that I was scared to death of. Changed his life, and now we're brothers. We've been friends for ever since that happened. And I realized that forgiveness is contagious. Not only did I forgive him, because I looked at God and said, I'm a sinner. So what are we going to do about it? Here we are today, same message. You know, Jesus told a parable in Luke chapter 15 about a guy that said, gimme, 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 gimme. He wound up in a pig pen after a lot of cutting up. He came to his senses and he went back to his father and he said, make me, mold me like one of your hired men. And that's really the difference. You go from give me to Lord make me. You say, where's God? He knew where he was. He knew where his father was. You know where he is. He's at the same place where you left him. Because when you were a kid, everything was fine. And you said, no, I'm going to do it my way, despite all the evidence around it. So today, this may be your chance to return to Jesus Christ as your Lord, or it may be for the first time to put your faith and trust in him. We got some water back here. And I'm going to ask you to, to respond to that because, look, I'm really not interested in autographs and taking pictures when it comes to getting off the planet alive. Okay, this. You come to Christ, you make him your Lord, your life will get a lot better. It'll give you a purpose, and he uses you, despite your flaws, to make the knowledge of his son known. And when we get to heaven together, I'll give you an autograph. All right? you have a need, respond as we stand and sing. Just as I am without one plea, but that
you've shown us so we lift up our voices and our prayers to you in the name of jesus with the help of the spirit and the church said amen, amen. have a great day <laughs>